0: You take a seed, you plant it, you grow
1: it, you dry it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you dry it, you roll it, you smoke it. And it
2: goes down to Earth. Spanning the continent to bring you the truth about cannabis and marijuana law reform. I smoke pot and I like it a lot. The Russ Belleville Show. The voice of the Marijuana Nation. It's like marijuana got to be legalized. Good people smoke marijuana. Now, here's your host, Radical Ross Bellville.
1: Good day, tokers and tokets and non-toking lovers of liberty. It is Tuesday, February 26th. 28th, 2017, and it's got to be 420 somewhere in the world. It's episode number 897, and coming up on today's show, our guest is Steve Bloom, the editor-in-chief of Freedom Leaf Magazine, with a preview of the March issue. In our Cannabis Focus, we'll take a look at Jeff Sessions, our Attorney General's latest comments on marijuana and the opioid epidemic. We'll follow that up in Drug War Data Mining with the Science on Marijuana and Opioids. And in today's Radical Rant. We'll take a look at my home state of Idaho and ask how today's marijuana is so strong it's making conservatives abandon states' rights. We'll get to all of that, but first, let's get to the Cannabis Headline News.
2: Covering the latest headlines in consumer cannabis, medical marijuana, and industrial hemp. Now your marijuana headlines in 4 minutes and 20 seconds. This is Cannabis News.
1: This is your Cannabis Headline News for Tuesday, February twenty eighth, 2017. U.S. Attorney General Jeff Sessions reiterated his opposition to marijuana legalization while addressing a collection of the nation's attorneys general on Tuesday. In responding to a question about the war on drugs, Sessions noted a rise in heroin overdose deaths and those from the painkiller Fentanyl, stating that, quote, crime does follow drugs, And quote. He added that in the 1970s and 80s, many lives were destroyed by drug abuse, adding that the drugs today are more powerful
3: best view is that we don't need to be legalizing marijuana and we need to crack down more effectively on heroin and fentanyl and other drugs.
1: The Justice Department will try to adopt, quote, reasonable policies, end quote, for enforcement of federal anti-marijuana laws, Attorney General Jeff Sessions says, adding that he believes violence surrounds sales and use of the drug in the U.S. In a meeting with reporters on Monday, Sessions said the department was reviewing an Obama administration Justice Department memo that gave states flexibility in passing marijuana laws. Quote, experts are telling me there is more violence around marijuana than one would think, end quote, Sessions said. Studies have found no correlation between legalization of marijuana and violence crime rates, but law enforcement officials in states such as Colorado say drug traffickers have taken advantage of lax marijuana laws to hide in plain sight, illegally growing and shipping the drug across state lines where it can sell for a much higher profit. One of the world's largest marijuana festivals, which is expected to be held this week on tribal land outside of Las Vegas, has been facing a possible shutdown for the past two weeks, according to a letter sent by federal officials earlier this month. U.S. Attorney Daniel Bogdan, based in Las Vegas, sent a February 16th letter to the Mayopa Paiute tribe, reminding the tribe that the transport, possession, use, and distribution of marijuana is illegal under federal law. The High Times Cannabis Cup, planned for March 4th and 5th, would be in violation of that law, according to the letter obtained by the Reno Gazette Journal. Responding to the tribe's contention that the coal memo regarding state marijuana legalization and the guidance memo concerning cannabis on Indian lands both protect the cannabis cup, Bogdan writes, quote, nothing in the guidance memorandum or the coal memorandum alters the authority or jurisdiction of the United States to enforce federal law in Indian country or elsewhere, end quote. On a patch of tribal land in western New Mexico, a company plans to build a $160 million state-of-the-art greenhouse for researching and growing medicinal plants, including marijuana. Bright Green Group of companies is partnering with Acoma Pueblo on what would be the nation's largest commercial growing operation, by far dwarfing medical marijuana greenhouses already planned in Massachusetts, Illinois, and California. Plans call for Bright Green's greenhouse and its associated research facility to eventually cover nearly 6 million square feet, or about 100 football fields. Officials at the Delaware-based company say they would have room for as many as 40 million medicinal plants, from marijuana to pennywort and Indian ginseng. While marijuana is expected to make up a significant portion of the operation, supporters of the project say the business plan was originally designed to sustain itself by producing oils used for various remedies already popular in the homeopathic world. A Senate panel in the Georgia General Assembly has approved legislation that would reduce the punishment for possessing small amounts of marijuana. The Senate Judiciary Committee voted Monday to advance the bill sponsored by Senator Harold Jones II, a Democrat from Augusta. Under the legislation, possession of up to two ounces of marijuana would be punishable as a misdemeanor rather than a felony, as is currently the case. The bill goes next to the Senate Rules Committee. Also yesterday afternoon, a House committee has approved a bill greatly expanding the list of conditions that qualify for access to medical marijuana. The House Judiciary Non-Civil Committee voted in favor of the proposal, which is sponsored by Representative Allen. Peak, a Macon Republican. It moves to the House Rules Committee for further consideration. The bill would add AIDS, HIV, chronic pain, and autism to the list of qualifying conditions. The Senate has separately approved a bill that adds only autism to the qualifying conditions for the cannabidiol oil and cuts the potency of THC allowed in the oil from 5 to 3%. This has been your Cannabis Headline News for Tuesday, February 28th, 2017. I'm Russ Belville.
2: In the interest of fair and balanced journalism,
1: the Russ Elville Show presents the anti-drug public service announcement of the day.
0: Grandma, I thought you said you were going to quit smoking. Someday, sweetheart. Someday, I promise. Honey, are you all right? Mom, why didn't Grandma quit? It's never too late to quit smoking. Call 1-866-QUIT-YES.
3: My view.
1: This has been the Russ Belleville Show's anti-drug public service announcement of the day. Exclusively on radicalrust.com.
2: You're listening to the Russ Bellville Show. Oh, well, when the
1: president does
2: it, that means that it is not illegal. Okay. Maybe you're high, too. Warning. Hits taken on this show are larger than they appear. Do not try this at home. These people are professionals. <coughs> or at least they pay me to say that. Where'd you learn that, Cheech? Drug school. A public service message from the Russ Belleville Show. The world of cannabis is evolving at a frenetic pace. The Russ Belleville Show gets behind the headlines to take a deeper look at breaking news in our Cannabis Focus.
1: Today in the Cannabis Focus, we're taking a look at the newest statements by Attorney General Jeff Sessions. He spoke this morning in front of a group of the state's attorneys general and reiterated his opposition to marijuana legalization. Uh, we go to the video now, courtesy of Washington Post, which was uh, originally uh, broadcast on C-SPAN, although uh, the C-SPAN server seemed to be down, so I wasn't able to uh, get more clips for you. But this uh, this is the gist of uh, the comments made today. This, this is the uh, majority of the comments having to do with marijuana that were heard today uh, from Attorney General Jeff Sessions.
3: My view is that crime does follow drugs, uh, in the '70s and '80s, we saw so many lives destroyed by drug abuse, and I think the drugs today are more powerful, they're more addictive, and they can destroy even more lives. Young people uh, have their lives destroyed. I, as you know, am dubious about marijuana. As states, I get can pass whatever laws they choose, but I'm not sure we're going to be a better, healthier nation. That if uh, we have uh, marijuana being sold at every corner grocery store. I just don't think that's going to be uh, good for us. And uh, we'll have to work our way through that. Uh, I see uh, a line in the Washington Post today that I remember from the 80s. Um, This one was, uh, if you smoke, you know, marijuana is a cure for opiate abuse. Give me a break. I mean, you know, this is the kind of argument that has been made out there to just almost a desperate attempt to uh, defend uh, the harmlessness of marijuana or even its benefits. I doubt that's true. Maybe science will prove I'm wrong, but at this point in time, you and I have a responsibility to use our best judgment—that which we've learned over a period of years—and speak truth as best we can. My best view is that we don't need to be legalizing marijuana and we need to crack down more effectively on heroin and fentanyl and other drugs and part of the federal leadership will be drug distribution networks cartels that threaten the very governments of nations to our south and Less money that they extract out of America, it sends to their organizations a less power and less danger they present to their governments and their people and fewer people that are addicted.
1: That's Jeff Sessions, our nation's attorney general, speaking earlier today in front of the nation's attorneys general. It was the National Association of of Attorneys General that we're speaking today. And uh, once again, Sessions uh, reiterating a lot of the points that he's made earlier uh, in his career that we've played for you here on the Russ Belville Show. Uh, it's the same verse... As the first. And, uh, when I brought a lot of this up, uh, when Jeff Sessions was in his, uh, hearings, his confirmation hearings, I had, uh, many people responding to me saying, yeah, he's, he's, uh, he's gonna follow the Trump administration's or Donald Trump's views. Donald Trump is state's rights. Uh, Donald Trump doesn't want to go after the money in the marijuana world. And, and I said, listen to his comments from before he was uh, in the hearings, right? When someone's in a confirmation hearing, they're going to put their best foot forward. They're going to hide some of their more radical views. But before that, when he was a senator, he was involved in some hearings where he made his views quite clear. This was before he became attorney general, where he's talking about the potency of marijuana. Marijuana is, is stronger today, several
3: times stronger than the marijuana of the 1960s. And it does impact.
1: So that's before, and then this was what he had to say this morning.
3: And I think the drugs today are more powerful; they're more addictive.
1: When he was uh, uh, addressing uh, the attorney generals uh, in confirmation hearings, uh, Loretta Lynch or Eric Holder, he talked about how he worried that the lax treatment toward drugs was leading us toward a repeat of the '60s and '70s. It's just
3: tragic to me that we're making the same mistakes. 60s and 70s
1: and he lauded the work of nancy reagan and the whole just say no program of zero tolerance for drugs
3: drug use had dropped dramatically since nancy reagan started the just say no program and drug use began to steadily reduce is now beginning to steadily increase
1: and he reiterated those kind of thoughts uh, about the earlier decades In his speech today
3: Uh, in the 70s and 80s, we saw so many lives destroyed by drug abuse.
1: He also, before he became uh, the attorney general, uh, was a staunch proponent of the so-called gateway theory that using marijuana or allowing marijuana to be used is going to lead to crime and harder drug use.
3: And it's. False that marijuana use doesn't lead people to more drug use.
1: He said that uh, people who deny this because, you know, they've seen the science that has proven that there is no such thing as a gateway from marijuana to harder drugs, uh, he will flat out deny the reality of that science.
3: They go on to more serious drugs, which tends to happen. You can deny it if you want to, but it tends to happen. Uh, there'll be even greater causes. These are the kind of things that we're going to see throughout the country, and you'll see cocaine and heroin uh, increase more than it would have, I think, had we not talked about it.
1: That's what he had to say before he became attorney general. He now says this after he has become attorney general.
3: My view is that crime does follow drugs. Marijuana is a cure for opiate abuse. Give me a break. I mean, you know, this is the kind of argument that has been made out there, just almost a desperate attempt to uh, defend uh, the harmlessness of marijuana or even its benefits.
1: And as far as Jeff Sessions is concerned, marijuana is a very harmful substance. He quotes a couple of studies that have come out uh, that have said that there is some sort of cognitive or mental health issues with the use of marijuana. This was before he was attorney general.
3: Marijuana users have abnormal brain structure and poor memory and that chronic marijuana use may lead to brain changes resembling schizophrenia. Heavy cannabis use in adolescence causes persistent impairments in neurocognitive performance and IQ and use is associated with increased rates of anxiety mood, and psychotic thought disorders.
1: And now that he is attorney general, in his speech this morning, he once again uh, laid out his case that uh, marijuana is not good for people and should not be tolerated.
3: I'm not sure we're going to be a better, healthier nation that if uh, we have uh, marijuana being sold at every corner grocery store. I, as you know, am dubious about marijuana
1: dubious about marijuana so this is the guy that before he was attorney general said
3: send that message with clarity that good people don't smoke marijuana
1: and now that he's attorney general says
3: my best view is that we don't need to be legalizing marijuana and we need to crack down more effectively on heroin and fentanyl and other drugs
1: There were a couple of other quotes uh, that he uh, gave to the National Association of Attorneys General at their winter meeting and uh, was unable to get recordings of these, again, because there's a problem with Amazon's server farms today and uh, C-SPAN video is stored out there. He says, Quote, I do not believe that this pop in crime, this increase in crime, is necessarily an aberration, a one-time blip. I'm afraid it represents the beginning of a trend, and I think what really concerns me in the bottom of all of that is also the increase in drugs in America. So they tend to follow one another. That's what happened in the 60s and 70s, and I think it could happen now. He also says, quote, I've had an interest over the years and it took some time, maybe 20 years, but the murder rate was half in America what it had been. Drug use was down among kids. We had prevention programs in every community, and many of you and I spent a lot of my time working, try to create a message of the danger of illegal drugs. And the crime does tend to follow drug use. Anybody observed history. They know that's true. End quote. He also says that President Trump. Uh. Quote, has given me a direct order to take charge and lead an effort against drug cartels, international drug cartels, and they are growing in strength. And we got so much of it coming right across the Texas border and all across the Mexican border, and we can do better there. End quote. And I think the rest of this, oh, the final one, uh, the, uh, the fentanyl, uh, quote in its, in full is quote, My best view is we don't need to be legalizing marijuana and we need to crack down effectively on heroin and fentanyl and other drugs. And part of the federal leadership will be drug distribution networks, cartels that threaten the very government of nations to our south and less money they extract out of America, less danger they present to their governments and their people and fewer people that are addicted. End quote. So this is the attorney general. And again, no shots have been fired yet. We have yet to have a raid or a letter or an injunction, but all of the warning signs are there. All of the messages being delivered by Sean Spicer, by Attorney General Sessions, and by Donald Trump indicate a willingness to go after state legal marijuana. And this message from the U.S. attorney in Nevada going after the High Times Cannabis Cup on Indian land gives further credence to the idea that a federal crackdown is imminent in the states that have legalized marijuana. I urge everyone to be careful and be ready. It's
0: going to get difficult. Is this some kind of bust? Yes, it's very
2: impressive, but we'd just like to ask a few questions.
1: All right, that sound means it's time for our 20 after break. It's 420 in Denver, Colorado. We'll be back with some drug war data mining. We're going to take on That comment uh, by the Attorney General about marijuana and opiate abuse, not that he'll recognize science, but uh, at least the rest of us can.
2: You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show.
0: Marijuana is not heroin.
2: You can find Radical Russ online everywhere. Warning. It's taken on this show are larger than they appear. Do not try this at home. These people are professionals.
3: <coughs>
2: or at least they, they aim you to say that. Bueller, Bueller, Bueller. A public service message from the Russ Bellville Show. Promoting the end of adult cannabis prohibition is easy because we have facts, science, reason, compassion, evidence, truth, and logic on our side. It's even easier when researchers catalog it all for us. Learn how to gather the facts on marijuana use, arrests, seizures, rehabs, drug tests, and more on this edition of Drug War Data Mining.
1: Earlier this morning, the Attorney General of the United States, Jeff Sessions, had this to say about marijuana and opiate abuse.
3: Marijuana is a cure for opiate abuse. Give me a break. I mean, you know, this is the kind of argument that has been made out there, to just almost a desperate attempt to uh, defend uh, the harmlessness of marijuana or even its benefit.
1: At the end of the quote, he says, I doubt that's true. Maybe science will prove I'm wrong, end quote. Well, Christopher Ingraham, writing for the Wonk blog on the Washington Post, has responded. In an, in a column called Attorney General Sessions wants to know the science on marijuana and opioids. Here it is. Great work by, uh, Ingraham once again, as usual. Uh, some basic statistics. Opioids killed 33,000 people in 2015. In 1999, opioids killed 8,000 people. So the, uh, DOJ, which heads up, uh, the DEA as well, continues to say there's no medical benefit in marijuana. And yet they also are saying this opiate epidemic is uh, out of control. We need to do something about it. Well, here is the evidence we have on marijuana and opiates. Number one, marijuana is great at treating chronic pain, especially neuropathic pain. The National Academies of Science, Medicine and Engineering found strong evidence showing marijuana is effective at dealing with chronic pain in adults relative to a placebo trial. And numerous, numerous trials and experiments have shown that people treated for pain with marijuana were, quote, more likely to experience a significant reduction in pain symptoms, end quote. So just giving people the option of being able to use marijuana to treat their pain is going to have a huge effect on the problem of opiate abuse. People aren't using these opiates necessarily just to get high. They're using them because they're in pain. According to statistics, Americans consume 80% of the world's opiate painkiller supply, 80% for long-term treatment of chronic pain. And of course, these are highly addictive and can cause fatal overdose. Now, of course, Marijuana has no lethal dose. It is impossible to overdose and die from marijuana. Uh, some people can become dependent on cannabis, but far less to the extent that they can on opiate-based drugs and with a withdrawal that cannot kill you like an opiate-based withdrawal can. Number two, states with medical marijuana laws have fewer opiate deaths. This was a 2014 study in the Journal of the American Medical Association's Internal Medicine found that between 1999 and 2010, states that had medical marijuana laws saw 25% fewer opiate overdose deaths. And the effect grew over time. More lives were saved every year that the program was in effect more year after year. Now, it's just correlative. Can't directly say marijuana caused this. However, it lends credence to the idea that giving people the choice of a non-addictive, non-toxic painkiller can lead to less opiate death. Another paper, this was the National Bureau of Economic Research, found that the presence of medical marijuana dispensaries in a state was linked to a 15 to 35% decrease in admissions to substance abuse treatment centers and a similar decline in overdose deaths. And this took much more data into account than the previous study that we just talked about. Fewer overdoses, fewer abuse problems with opiates in states that have medical marijuana dispensaries. In 2016, Columbia University, they produced a paper that showed that after a state passes a medical marijuana law, fewer drivers in those states test positive for opioids after fatal car crashes. Fewer users, fewer individuals are using opiates in these states that have medical marijuana. This was corroborated by another study conducted last year, that looked at what happened to Medicare Part D painkiller prescriptions in states with medical marijuana laws, and they found that the typical physician in a medical marijuana state prescribed 1,826 fewer doses of painkillers for Medicare patients in a given year. And again, why? Because people that have access to non-toxic medical cannabis, especially the seniors who are going to be on Medicare, are going to use less Opiates, we've seen seniors as the fastest growing demographic of consumers of cannabis, tripling their numbers in the past decade or so. We also find that among chronic pain patients, marijuana use means less opiate use. This was a a study published last year in the Journal of Pain that found chronic pain patients who reported marijuana use were 64% less likely to report opiate use, more likely to report good quality of life, and less likely to report negative side effects from their medication. That's nearly two out of three patients reported by the Journal of Pain who are less likely to use opiates. If they have access to medical marijuana. Now, all of these studies will always have a caveat that more study is needed, more research is needed, more clinical trials are needed to confirm some of these findings to take them to the level of double blind placebo controlled studies in some cases. But of course, that is hamstrung by the fact that marijuana remains in schedule one against all scientific and medical understanding. Keeping it in Schedule 1 means it's tougher for researchers to get a hold of it, it's tougher for them to conduct experiments and research on it. Self-fulfilling prophecy. Attorney General Sessions, if you don't let us study it, we can't show you the science to prove that you're wrong. Although we still have plenty of science now showing you're wrong. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we got Steve Bloom from Freedom Leaf with the issue preview coming up next.
2: This is the Russ Bellville Show on CannabisRadio.com.
1: When you are starting up a medical cannabis business, you want a fired-up lawyer who understands the needs of cannabis consumers. The Law Office of Lauren Vasquez is your fired-up lawyer for the cannabis industry. Visit her website, FiredUpLawyer.com, or call 1-855-MMJ-LAWS for more information. That's 855-665-5297 for Lauren Vasquez, your fired-up lawyer, or email fireduplawyer at gmail.com.
2: The Russ Belleville Show reminds you to never smoke and drive impaired. Hang out for a while and share. Warning. It's taken on this show are larger than they appear. Do not try this at home. These people are professionals. <coughs> At least they pay me to say that.
3: Yeah, well, you know, that's just
0: like uh, your opinion, man.
2: A public service message from the Russ Belleville Show. The best weapon you can have in the Prohibition War is your mind. Fill your head with the knowledge you need by checking out this latest entry in the Russ Belleville Show's Reformers Reader.
1: Welcome back, everybody. Time to get into our Reformers Reader segment and joining us for a new regular segment. We'll do this once a month. We've got Steve Bloom, the editor-in-chief of Freedom Leaf Magazine. Steve, welcome back to the show.
0: Thanks a lot, Russ. How are you?
1: I- I'm doing great, and it's great to hear your voice uh, talking to you in New York, I presume?
0: Yes, I am. Back home. All
1: right. So for our listeners out there that may not know, tell them basically what Freedom Leaf is
0: all about and
1: how they can get one.
0: Well, it's a really cool magazine. Uh, It's uh, it's a shorter, smaller size magazine, so it's easy to kind of put in your purse or your pocketbook or your back pocket. Um, So it looks like a digest, but it's not. You know, we really uh, work very hard every month to put together you know what we think are the most important stories each month that are facing the marijuana world, and you know, dealing with politics and policy, advocacy, activism, business, culture, science. Um, there's a lot there, you know, there's almost too much to keep up with, so as you know and others may know, I used to work at High Times, and so I'm bringing my skills that i uh i learned there i also brought things to high times from being in publishing for many years even before that but you know taking everything i learned there and before and putting it into this magazine so where you can get it freedom leaf is uh is uh, a little hard to find sometimes you have to be in a dispensary or a uh, rec store in, in the legal state uh, all the uh normal and ssdp and women grow chapters get them and they put them out at their events so you know if you're in new york and you're at any kind of a marijuana event i'll generally be there you can find the magazines that way so it's a little hit and miss so you can also subscribe
2: you know that and
0: that. it's also available on, and it's also available online the new issue is just coming out so we always release it first digitally uh online uh you can you know it's obviously free of charge go into the website freedomleaf.com and go find it there we'll post it around facebook to get people's attention so usually it comes out first like literally today the new magazine is online today and the uh, the printed version will be available in a few days
1: so the uh, Freedom Leaf magazine. One of the things uh, I really appreciate appreciate about it is that interface with Normal and SSDP and Women Grow chapters, and the genealogy of Freedom Leaf also ha- is intertwined with you know you with High Times, and and now Alan Saint Pierre is with your group uh, uh, from Normal. So th- th- there seems to be a very activism focused
0: magazine. Well, even let's take even one step back. You know, Dick Cowan, Richard Cowan is the founder, the co founder right. with Cliff Perry, and. Dick was the executive director of Normal in the 90s. So, actually, you know, it kind of was a like, neat little coming around for me with Dick. I mean, I knew Dick back then, and we did uh these benefit albums uh the hempelation albums which i produced and the first one was freedom is normal and that was when dick was there so coming full circle you know we're sort of working together again is cool and yeah the relationship with alan uh you know leaving normal and coming over to work with us it's really just a treat to have alan st pierre on the phone uh when we do our conference calls and just you know pick his brain about the latest you know this morning we're talking about you know what happened you know with the latest you know comments from either spice or sessions and it's always an interesting uh take so it's great to have alan aboard uh and you know so yeah normal uh, ssdp uh women grow uh and we're also looking to work with some of the other organizations ncia and anybody else who really wants to you know work with us we're, we're ready to work with them
1: Freedom Leaf is a great magazine. I contribute some pieces to it uh, from time to time. And uh, the uh, the issue coming out now is the March edition. Uh, what are some of the focus uh, stories
0: in the well, March edition? Well, the the, we have Jeff Sessions on the cover, okay? So the headline is, What Will Jeff Sessions Do? It's a very fluid situation, right? Because every day there's some new story that just started to break this week. Up until we worked on this story, he had not commented on marijuana yet, except for in the hearings and different times, you know, obviously the famous – you know, good people don't smoke marijuana stuff, but he hadn't really said anything until this week, so we kind of jumped on that, but we know it's very fluid. Uh, Alan wrote a long piece to kind of give you a background around who Sessions is and what we're up against. So that's our sort of main theme. You know, in my mind, it's like the biggest story in the zeitgeist right now is obviously what will Trump do or what will Sessions do or what will this administration do in regards to marijuana. Obviously, they've given us some clues in the last couple of days. So that's our main cover story. And in this issue also, we kind of have a, a focus on prisoners, uh, Uh, you did the interview with Eddie Lepp who uh, just got out of jail a couple of months ago after eight years uh, and a lot of people know Eddie, in the marijuana community, a uh, California grower who um, was had a really large, you know, farm uh, up in northern California, and he got caught with it. Uh, did eight, eight years uh, instead of, you know, any kind of shorter term, you know, by ratting out on anybody else. He's a good guy. And, and then we also have a story about the Marijuana Lifers by Sherry Sicard, who's been working with this organization that she created to try and get, you know, marijuana prisoners who were in jail for life, out of jail, which is, you know, it's hard to believe when you think about this day and age, that there are really people in jail. And most of them are just conspiracy charges, you know, something that added up maybe over a couple of times where they had a few other arrests and boom, you know, they could be a three-time loser and ended up in jail for life. So that's a little scary. Uh, and so, and, and then we also have a feature on cannabis radio on this issue. Uh, we've been uh, talking with um, Brandy Shapiro and uh, and, you know, about, you know, sort of you know doing some collaboration with freedom leaf and, and, and cannabis radio so it happens to be in this issue uh and that also has a page that we call the uh, radio the cannabis radio's top pot jocks and you're one of them <laughs>
1: <laughs> well that's good to hear i'm looking forward to seeing that uh, available at freedomleaf.com right now the digital edition or check your normal ssdp or women grow chapters to find a copy is there a way someone can uh subscribe to, uh, and get it mailed to them by any chance
0: Yes you can. Yeah, yeah, you can. You can follow, you know, a subscription ad in the magazine or on the website. Um don't really have a like a URL specifically for that, but it's up on the website if you want it. It's definitely available as a, uh, for subscribers. And it's a good idea, you know, if you're you know, if you still like to have magazines with a hard copy, you know, it might be you know, sometimes you might be able to not be able to get every issue. Or if you live in a part of the country where we're really not distributed very well, this is probably the only way besides digitally.
1: Is there, uh, besides the focus on Jeff Sessions in this upcoming issue, uh, other uh, social or cultural articles that people might look for?
0: Well, we always do. You know, we actually have... uh uh, we you know we have uh, a first article by Watermelon uh, who uh, who's a activist up in Vancouver and you know we were there recently and I was up there with you at the ICBC back in October and hadn't seen Watermelon she calls herself by the name Water, Watermelon her name is Mary Jean I forget her how her last name goes but but that's her kind of her pen name and uh, and she you know I hadn't seen her in years and she got back in touch with me and said she'd like to do some writing for the magazine and so I had her do a piece that kind of I just wanted her to kind of give me a little perspective. For from Vancouver, and she told a story about a, a guy named Patty who uh, who she used to celebrate St. Patty's Day with all the time. So just things like that. It could be you know an angle even like that. That's not you know a major angle, but it's just letting somebody express themselves. I mean, this month we have an article about the pioneering professors of Dam University. Uh, we've been doing a lot of articles with them. We have an article by Amanda Ryman called "The Importance of Guided Consumption." Uh, Amanda always has a, uh, an interesting take on things. We have an article called "Snoop and Chung," which is Snoop Dogg and Ted Chung and how they've collaborated to create a, a number of cannabis companies. So, you know, it's kind of the, the magazine, the front of the magazine is sort of newsy with all the activist groups, and we have a whole new section called Word on the Tree written by Mona Zhang, and then, you know, we go into a feature section of what we consider the most important articles, you know, of the, uh, of, of the, of the month, and then you get to the back, and the back of the magazine is a little more lifestyle, a little more cultural. Uh, Sherry Sicard does her uh, monthly re- uh, food column which is really always great Uh, Beth Mann uh has always has an interesting take on things, uh, whatever it is happening in the cannabis world, or she writes about, we also have in this issue, uh, a guide to Las Vegas, uh, Chris Thompson, one of our writers out in Las Vegas, uh, he toured around, you know, just fun things to do when you're stoned in Vegas, essentially. Rick Fromer, who's kind of pretty well known on the West coast is kind of keeps an eye on what's important to the growers and article in this month is the pesticide problem and how growers are dealing with increased, uh, uh, testing and how to handle that. Uh, and um, we have reviews also in the back we always have a couple of reviews I'm a music guy so we like to have you know a music review or a book review this month it's the Dear Jerry uh, uh, compilation of artists performing the music of Jerry Garcia so if you see a lot of deadhead stuff in the magazine it's because of me <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we also have a review, review of the latest two albums like Keller Williams I always like Keller so you know I mean it's just you know whatever coming out uh, and you know maybe they knock on our door we also have a, a regular so hemp column by Erin Hyatt. Uh, every month she does something that's kind of on the, on the borderline of hemp and CBD, depending on what you want to call it these days. Uh, but, you know, what's mostly mostly creams and soaps and things like that. And I'm telling her, go find some clothes because, you know, I want to hype some hemp clothes They're a little harder to find these days. So, you know, that's kind of we try to cover a lot in every issue, about 60 pages of articles and the rest is ads.
1: Excellent. I encourage everyone to check out the uh, Freedom Leaf, the new March edition's coming out. You can check out freedomleaf.com for more information. And another hat that Steve Bloom wears is uh editing the website celebstoner.com and I had a couple of questions regarding celebrities out there. Uh the first had to do with the uh the excellent Super Bowl commercial with uh, Martha Stewart and Snoop Dogg and it seems to me like the uh, uh, advertising agencies are warming up now to the idea of playing around with marijuana jokes. Uh, do you have anything to add to that?
0: well I hope so you know I mean that's just one of you know every once in a while one sneaks in there you, you wait every year at the Super Bowl to see if there's going to be a Doritos ad you know it's catering to the stoners right yeah, it never yeah. happens but this year you know this year you know it was, the, it was this one and so um, you know I, I think it's a good thing but you know also that was done way before things are changing so who knows what's going to happen you know are the is the advertising community going to be that brash now that there are some threats you know being directed at marijuana so we'll see if this is just kind of a one off thing but it was really funny
1: we also seem to have a, a bunch more uh, sitcoms and even family dramas that are revolving around the issue of marijuana I know Kathy Bates was involved with something and uh, wasn't there oh uh, Doug Benson's got his high court show that's coming up any other uh, things on the entertainment horizon we should be uh, looking for
0: I mean, right now, you know, we're still sort of waiting for a round of new shows to come out. There's the Mary and Jane show, which comes through the Snoop Dogg camp that came out on MTV last year, and also Snoop Dogg and, and uh, Martha Stewart, you know, the uh, potluck uh, show on VH1. So that was, you know, coming from them. They're co-producing those shows, and that's how that's coming out. Doug Benson, I'm just kind of amazed. That guy always comes up with something new. You know, he just, you know, Doug kind of goes away for a little while, and he hatches something else. And I'm sure this is out of, you know, he he came up with, now he's Judge Doug, and here's a guy who's you know, calling it the high court and on Comedy Central, and there's basically, it started last night, and it's only a 15-minute program right now. They're giving him 15 minutes, and then you go into Tosh Tosh.20, so they're not giving him a lot of time. It's one you know, like basic you know, scenario with a judge and two people arguing about something and, and, a, and a funny bailiff. And then, you know, they have to go back to deliberate. And of course, they have a big bong and they're deliberating. This is on Comedy Central. (laughs) I mean, you go, whoa, what's going on here? Only Doug Benson could pull this off. This guy's amazing. From Super Jaime to the marijuana logs to, uh, get, Doug with high, I mean, uh, Doug loves movies. The Benson interruption, you know, this guy is is just full of great ideas. So even if it doesn't last, it's just really cool that it, that it that it's making it. I guess they're you know they're teasing people with it and see if it does well and maybe it'll go to a half hour format.
1: Yeah, that would be nice to see. And uh, I'm sure you. Uh Got wind of the uh, Oscar controversy that happened with the uh, Best Picture announcement. I I kind of found found it funny that you know we're we're the ones always criticized for being stoners and forgetful and I don't know was was Warren Beatty or somebody there smoking something? What the hell happened?
0: I thought he was he was on the pipe a little bit before and got got. I think. I hate to be ageist, but maybe they should think better about putting you know some of their older stars out there for the biggest award where they might blow it, and they did. You know, I mean, it, it didn't take too much for him to basically say, "I got the wrong envelope. You got the other one." You know, yeah. it would have looked funny, but at least he could have said that, "Hey, uh, this is not the right envelope." I don't know why he couldn't do that, but I guess you know, under the pressure, and the moment, and you know, maybe they really wanted you know, La La Land to win too. And you know, I'm, I'm reading some stories, you know, with sort of the subtext of all this, you know, what was really going. On, if you're a black person seeing this go on, you know it's sort of some sort of continuation of not getting a firm for the great work you do and have to sort of get a sort of a backseat way of being uh, awarded. Um, and uh, you know, I mean, as the show was going on, it did look like a la la land sweep. But you know, I was thinking back to you know, remember a few years back when uh, broke out. Brokeback Mountain was cruising along like they, they were going to win it, and then Crash kind of stole the, the Academy Awards. Like, yeah. what the hell happened? It looked like it was right in their pocket. And it kind of happened the other night, too, with, you know, Wildlands winning everything except for screenplay. And... Best Supporting Actor that won six awards to two by Moonlight, and then all of a sudden, you know, Moonlight won. So I think all of those things combined, like, I don't think people expect it to happen. I think the white people who were giving out those awards at that time, you know, were sort of had their idea in them, oh, it's going to be Lawland, so, you know, I don't even have to open the envelope. Yeah. you know so a lot of mistakes all the way around but uh, but but about moonlight i really was behind moonlight i hadn't seen la la land i'm sure it's a great movie and i love jazz so you know i'm sort of behind all that but moonlight is really an important movie you know and kind of like Brokeback was an important movie in terms of you know taking the gay issue to the next level um and uh you know on screens for millions of people to see and especially coming from the african-american experience where it's not often discussed as much uh and it's kind of swept under the rug so i mean just pushing that whole issue out there. And besides that part of the story, it's such a well-told story, kind of like Richard Linkletter's boyhood a few years ago, mm-hmm. where, you know, he kind of charted the life of this family, you know, charting the life of this boy in, in moonlight as he's bullied and, you know, how, you know, and his mother's a crack addict and how all that affects him as he grows up. Really great movie. So I'm happy it won. I'm just so sad that they have to go through all that.
1: Yeah. What, what a shame. Well, Steve Bloom, uh, editor in chief of freedom leaf magazine and running celeb com as well. Thanks for joining us here. We'll talk to you next month when we get ready for the April edition, which I'm sure we'll have a 420 theme, and we'll talk to you then about it.
0: You are correct.
1: All right, man. See Thanks so much. See you
0: the so next much. ICBC. Hey, oh, yeah. Bye-bye, Russ. We'll see you there. Okay. Bye. All right. We're going to take a break,
1: and when we come back, we'll have time for the radical rant on why today's marijuana is so strong it even makes Republicans forget about states' rights. Back after this.
2: This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. You're listening to the Russ Bellville Show.
0: I experimented with marijuana a time or two and didn't inhale.
2: Okay, maybe you're high, too.
1: This is Radical Russ Belleville with the word about dealing with police. Whether marijuana is legal in your state, whether you're a medical marijuana patient, or whether you're a cannabis consumer just trying to survive under prohibition, you should always affirmatively assert your rights in a police encounter. This means you don't answer police questions without your attorney present, and you never consent to a search. Police are not your friend. Besides showing your insurance registration and driver's license, there are only three things you should be saying and one thing you should be doing. I cannot answer further questions without my attorney present. I do not consent to any searches. Am I under arrest or am I free to go? And then leave once you've been cleared to go. Don't stick around for any little talks the officer wants to have. Learn this lesson well, and unlike me, you won't have a criminal record. This has been a public service announcement from the Russ Belville Show.
0: Total war against public enemy number, number one. Ten number one. federal one. criminal penalties for one ounce of marijuana. Marijuana is probably the most dangerous drug, drug. Legalization is just another word for surrender. surrender. i with marijuana and This is not medicine. This is a cheat and chomp. Curse people to yeah. use less drugs. Use less I am ill. That, that was the point. I think we would be a mistake to legalize negative reports coming out of COVID 19. <laughs> Don't <laughs> smoke marijuana. Smoke
3: marijuana.
1: Well, 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 today we've got some pretty potent marijuana. It's not your father's Woodstock weed. It'll just blow your mind, man. It's this incredible, super sticky, icky, chronic, cradillionic, chrysonic weed. You've heard it a million times, right? The idea that Marijuana Day is so potent. It's so, so potent. Well, apparently it's so potent. That it is affecting even the people who don't smoke it. It's, it's, it's amazing. This marijuana is so potent just, just by its very potency. It is causing some terrible, terrible cognitive deficits among our Republican friends. That's why conservatives all across the nation are, are losing their memory. They're losing their long-term memory of this thing called the 10th Amendment. This thing called states' rights. It's something that they've championed for years and years and years, these right-wingers. But, uh, the marijuana day is so powerful that when other people smoke it, my God, it makes them forget (laughs) about states' rights. Now, I, I bring this up because of two different, uh, two different articles that I found online. First one's from the National Review. Now, the National Review is as conservative as it gets, right? This is conservatism writ large. And they've got an article up today that says marijuana policy is best left up to the states. <gasps> what? A states' rights position? Holy schmoly! So I hey, check this out. And it says that the Trump administration's apparent desire to rekindle the federal war on pot is misguided. In withdrawing federal protection for transgendered students, the Trump administration paid tribute to our federalist system. Quote, the president believes that this is a state's rights issue, said White House spokesman Sean Spicer. We are a state's rights party. The president, in a lot of issues, believes that these issues are state's rights issues. End quote. Yet hours later, the administration had little use for federalism in announcing that it would punish states that legalized marijuana. According to Spicer, we should expect to see greater enforcement of federal marijuana laws regardless of states' marijuana laws. Mm. So, according to National Review, this isn't just hypocrisy. This isn't just ideological inconsistency, as they call it. They say it's just bad policy. And the rest of the article goes on to discuss the reductions in arrests and the, the way that the uh, marijuana legalization has, has impacted the Mexican cartels, has, has caused a lot of their growers to have to switch to other crops because marijuana is just not that profitable anymore. One Mexican think tank, according to National Review, calculated that if the United States legalized marijuana nationwide, the cartels would lose as much as one point six billion dollars of their annual two billion dollar drug smuggling revenue. And they continue by saying these decisions are best left up to the 50 states and points out that the Constitution specifies just four federal crimes. There's just four federal crimes. Treason, piracy, counterfeiting, and crimes committed on the high seas or against the law of nations. Now, there are more than 4,000 federal crimes. The Constitution had four. There are now 4,000, with 50 new federal crimes every year. So, the folks at the National Review get it. Apparently, these conservatives aren't affected by this super hyper potent skunkweed that causes conservatives to forget about states' rights. But there's one place, oh folks, there's one place where the marijuana is so potent that the state is surrounded by states that have legalized this hyperpotent weed. And it's caused, it's caused their governor to completely forget about the 10th amendment. I'm talking, of course, about my home state, my birth state of Idaho. Now, in on January 30th, Idaho's governor, Butch Otter, and runner-up for most gay name for a weasel, <laughs> Butch Otter, uh, wrote a letter on January 30th asking for more federal law enforcement against... Idaho's neighbors of Washington, Oregon, Nevada, Montana, that have legalized or medicalized marijuana. Governor, Idaho, Governor Otter from Idaho wrote, quote, among the most pressing concerns facing Idaho, both from the criminal and public health standpoints, is the utter lack of consistency displayed by the Obama administration in enforcement of federal marijuana laws. In that respect, Idaho is a virtual island of compliance, and we are paying the price, end quote. Now, according to uh, Butch Honor, the price Idaho is paying is that Illegal marijuana affects Idaho youth, taxpayers, law enforcement officers, jails, and healthcare systems. This is according to uh, their drug czar, Elisha Figueroa, uh, the woman who was too chicken to debate me last January. Uh, Otter says that people are bringing marijuana into the state, and they have you know their medical card, or they're just adults and they bring their ounce or something into the state. Now Figueroa, the state's drug czar, who was too chicken to debate me. Figueroa has a novel explanation as to why the federal government needs to trample on the states that have legalized marijuana. She says, quote, we do not allow states to violate environmental laws just because they voted to do so, primarily because it impacts those around them. Why then are states being allowed to violate drug laws that have enormous negative consequences for neighboring states? Oh, see, now this is a, a new way of arguing against this, folks. Be paying attention. Pay attention to this new bit of rhetoric that you're hearing from Elisha Figueroa. Because believe me, she's not smart enough to think of this herself. This is coming from a think tank somewhere. But the point she's making is that when EPA passes a law that says, oh, you can't, if you're a coal company, you can't dump your polluted uh, uh, runoff into a stream. Right. And the reason they do that is because that company polluting that stream could affect not just the people near them, but also people downstream in another state. That's the kind of justification that she's using. Elisha Figueroa is using is this idea that environmental laws at the federal level are trumping environmental laws at the state level. Because if a state goes and legalizes and says, hey, you can, coal company can dump your pollutants in the stream, why that might affect another state that doesn't want pollutants in its stream. Now, I think that's a interesting and novel argument, Elisha Figueroa, especially given that you've got an administration right now, Donald Trump, who specifically rescinded the Obama administration's executive order stopping the coal companies from dumping their pollutants in the stream. <laughs> So it's an interesting metaphor you made there, but uh, this is going to be an argument that we're going to hear. I, I-, I predicted this once again. I-, I hate having to be right sometimes, but I predicted when these people were saying, hey, Donald Trump's all about states' rights. These are all about states' rights. States' rights can be read. As a state like Idaho's right to not have weed pouring over its border. A state like Kansas's right to not have weed pouring over its border. In other words, we've been focusing on states' rights to legalize. They're gonna focus on states' rights to prohibit. And the states' right to prohibit aligns with the federal government's prohibition. Which states' rights argument do you think Sessions and Trump are gonna buy? I really think you're going to hear this idea that the federal government needs to clamp down on the states because they are affecting the other states, this whole environmental pollution argument. You're going to hear this as a justification. You're going to hear this as a justification for injunctions or uh, uh, cease and desist letters to the states to stop their commercial marijuana operations, stop their commercial grows. And if they don't, raid them. This is uh, backed up now. Uh, Idaho's uh, Channel 6, uh, KIVI, in Boise, followed up on this. As people were pointing out, hey, this is kind of uh, hypocritical for you to be saying states' rights on, say, wolves or states' rights on uh, abortion or whatever other issue. Governor Otter says it's not states' rights. It's not a contradiction. Because, quote, I also have a very firm belief in the value of the rule of law. We actually fought a civil war over whether states could do certain things outside the legal structure of this country. I don't think it's out of character for me as a states' rightsist, the Tenth Amendment person, to say enforce the law, end quote. Um... Butch, that whole civil war is what set up the supremacy of the federal government over the states. <laughs> so you want to defend that, you're not getting out of the hypocrisy. You're reiterating it. You're underscoring it. You're doubling down on your hypocrisy. These people. That's all the time we got for Hour 1. Stay tuned for Hour 2 Live. I'm Radical Russ. Until next time, take care of each other, tokers!
2: This is the Russ Bellville Show. The Rust Belleville show is blogging and podcasting daily at radicalrust.com.
0: You take a scene, you paint it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a scene, you paint it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a scene, you paint it, you grow it, you try it, you own it, you smoke it and it goes down to soon.